0: and welcome back to the Healthier Together podcast. I'm your host, Liz Moody, and I am a cookbook author and longtime journalist. And today I have a very special episode for you all about my rhinoplasty, which was almost three weeks ago, three weeks ago on the day that this is coming out. And I'm recording this far too close to the day that it's coming out. My editor's mad at me for it. So um, I have a special guest star here today. Guest star, do you want to say hi?
1: Absolutely. Hi, I'm Zach.
0: And you are?
1: Uh, A lot of people know me as Liz Moody's husband.
0: A lot of people know you as that.
1: Numerous people.
0: How do you feel about the amount of people who know you as Liz Moody's husband?
1: I would prefer over the alternative. What's the alternative? Not being Liz Moody's
0: husband. Oh, Oh, that's so sweet. sweet That did get really sweet.
1: Only downhill from here, sweetness-wise, because I have been dealing with you recovering I, for a couple of weeks
0: now. i don't think i was that bad that's a sneak preview we'll see how bad i was the reason that zach is here is because um for a lot of my recovery i was not able to do much nor doing much so zach was taking on a lot of burden and also i had a lot of emotional uh, like i don't know we've been together i always forget how long have we been together a bit like 13 years
1: between 10 and 15.
0: Between 10 and 15 years. And we've obviously seen a lot of stuff. Like there was one incident where he cleaned up an overflowing toilet in a New York apartment. <laughs> but I think that's the most embarrassing moment of my life. We had just flown in from London. And I was having a, a panic attack for some reason. And... I didn't understand – like we were staying in my uncle's apartment and I I didn't like understand how the toilet worked and it was like finicky. And I remember having actively having a panic attack and coming into the room to wake you up because I didn't know what to do and I didn't know how to handle it and having to be like, my shit is on the floor and I don't know what to
1: do. It's just a great way to process. <laughs>
0: uh, so there was that. So we, the point is we've been through a lot of things together. But I was still nervous about, it felt very vulnerable to me, both how, like, I don't want to say how ugly I was planning on being by having this surgery, but that, how out of control I worried a lot about, um, I'd heard about when you wake up from anesthesia, you don't, you're like awake, but not really awake. And you say weird things and you mm-hmm. do weird things, sneak preview that may have happened. But I was very nervous about that. There's something just very vulnerable about losing control of your mind, your body and a lot of this process for me has really been about letting go of control in a lot of ways so that's been a really big part of my rhinoplasty journey
1: yeah i mean it's it's it is insane to put yourself in the hands of somebody it's actually it's insane how few of of us for so much of our early lives from when we stop being like the youth and become start being like quite old I'm yeah that yeah yeah that um (laughs) we don't put ourselves fully in mm. the care of others. And I think like it's, it's... full trust,
0: full care. Yeah, that's interesting. Fully, yeah, yeah, so your, your point is we do that when we're babies. And sometimes we do that at the tail end of our life as well. But in the interim, you're for, always... For, for many of us. For many of us, you're always maintaining that little bit of control. And for me particularly, maintaining a lot of control is a huge way that I deal with my anxiety too my own detriment, I think. I think that I use control. Like, for instance, I deal with my fear of flying. And I've gotten better about this. And we have a whole episode coming out about fear of flying really soon that I'm very excited to share, which has a lot of helpful tips about how I've overcome fear of flying. And really, a lot of that is about lo- letting go of control as well. But one of the ways I dealt with my fear of flying was to like check the weather really f- like intimately, to know the every aircraft detail, to you know, know the weather patterns of a city to know what the airport was like and like the runway length and stuff like that. And just things that I was trying to pretend to have control over a situation that I never really had control over to make my anxiety feel better. So for me, this process of letting go of control with my surgeon, with my recovery has been a really big point of growth for me in this whole process. So let's start at the beginning. 10 years ago, maybe no longer. It has to have been longer. I always say 10 years, but we've been together longer than that. And it was before we met.
1: When I met you, it was known that you were bad on a surfboard.
0: (laughs) I was traveling by myself in Brazil and I uh, went surfing um, in this place called Florianopolis. It's like a surf town. And the very first time that I went out surfing, my board sort of Came up on a wave. I I had not even stood up yet. There was no real surf. I was me and a surfboard in the water. But surfing would be a very strong term for what actually (laughs) happened that day. Um, and my wave caught my board. It came up. It hit me in the face. It broke my nose, and I had a really shoddy plastic surgeon fix it. I thought nothing of it. This was a time that I was doing a lot of drugs. I was partying a lot. I didn't think about long term repercussions of almost anything in my life at this point, and I also thought of myself as relatively invincible, although around the same time it's there's a really interesting sort of melange of factors that are hard to untangle so on the same period of time in Brazil is when I uh had an eating disorder, I was severely underweight, I was doing a lot of drugs and partying, and I ended up having a seizure on the beach after smoking some weed that was of questionable origin. And also I hadn't eaten anything. And I I got taken to a public hospital, which was a really scary experience. And there were people in all sorts of states of disarray there. And all the doctor there told me was that uh, my blood sugar was really low. And he gave me a bag of chips and sent me on my way. And, at the time, again, because I was like sort of this party girl in this party phase of my life, I was like, "Oh, whatever, that's cool." I think I went to Carnival right after <laughs> um, <laughs> in Salvador. Sal- so we have a friend named Salvador in Salvador, I think. And uh, but later, I realized how much that caused PTSD for me. So I only connect that. I only mention that because. My anxiety, I really pinpoint my anxiety starting to be bad on this trip to Brazil. So that's when I started having pretty regular panic attacks. I would say, like, a few months after this trip. And that's only interesting because later in my life, I realized the connection between breathing and anxiety. So I went for years having these panic attacks. I didn't self-diagnose with PTSD for years, and I didn't have a professional diagnose me with PTSD for even longer. But I was just kind of like having panic attacks. Like when we were first dating, I feel like sometimes you'd come over and I'd be like, Oh, just had a panic attack, like let's go live our best life now. You're
1: very quiet with your panic attacks. Yeah. In some ways that's like
0: disconcerting.
1: It's, it's a little disconcerting. You're like, oh hey, reading that good book. Like, no. <laughs> no, I'm I'm really in a world of, sort of pain and there. Like, oh. oh cool, 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 cool.
0: <laughs> um, so I was just, yeah, I was kind of like quietly having panic attacks. I I was not in therapy. I wasn't really doing anything. And in no way would I associate my anxiety with anything in my physical pod- body. I couldn't breathe. But I wasn't paying attention to the fact that I couldn't breathe because I wasn't paying attention to anything in my body. I was smoking and eating like crap and doing a lot of drugs and just really disassociated from my physical self. And then I started – I went through a really, really, really terrible period of anxiety when we lived in London, which I've talked about in other places. And I won't bore you with here, but just severe panic attacks, became completely agoraphobic, wouldn't leave the house for days if not weeks at a time wouldn't leave my bed for similar lengths of time and then when we moved back to the us i started working on my anxiety actively and i ended up getting a role as an editor at a wellness magazine and that was really fun because all of a sudden i was surrounded by all of these like wellness enthusiasts who knew so much about different, like we were all kind of subject matter experts because, you know, you have the beauty editor and she's just really an expert in clean beauty. And then I was the food director. So I was meant to kind of everybody would come to me and be like, oh, I'm making this for dinner or like, what should I eat for my gut health or what should I eat for this? And we had um, a fitness editor who you could ask all your fitness questions to. So the fact that we were all kind of subject matter experts was really, really, really fun. And about a year or so into that job, I uh, went through a period of terrible insomnia, like the worst insomnia of my life. I didn't sleep for three or four days. And everybody at work was trying to solve my insomnia issue with their own specific expertise. So I had like the fitness editor teaching me the types of fitness and the times of day to work out, to sleep. And um, the beauty editor didn't do much.
1: beauty editor she you.
0: probably helped me like look more refreshed I looked I remember one day I came to the office and the editor-in-chief was like you look terrible you look wrecked girl. <laughs> you do not look well um but our wellness editor so wellness at this site was kind of considered stuff that didn't fall into other categories was like oh you need to try breath work and she was like breath work Help my insomnia so much. It helps my anxiety so much. It makes the biggest difference. And I was like, what's breath work?" She's like, "Oh, you breathe in for a count of this much. You hold for this much, and then you exhale." And I tried to do it, and I like couldn't do it. (laughs) I was just like, "Wait a second, I can't breathe through my nose." And it was this crazy realization because I had just never tried to isolate nose breathing, and it had come up, you know. Some of my more embarrassing moments was like I've been in conference rooms and people will be like, "Wow, you're like a really loud breather." And Zach would he was in Ubers, you would always point it out. I feel like not
1: just Ubers. There is a there's a specific subset of time because <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting because you 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 can breathe through your nose or you could breathe through your nose just
0: just a little bit
1: with great effort. Yeah. and generally like. Um, Noise. <laughs> uh would a lot of a lot of conscious management. Yeah. And um, when the Uber drivers start paying attention to your breathing, was interestingly when you uh, got those Bose noise canceling headphones, those big over-ear headphones, super good noise canceling, and it would basically take away your awareness of your own breath. Yeah. And in doing so, you would relax.
0: And then I would start breathing really hard.
1: And it would be loud it would be a little rough and you would be like are you all right back there
0: and you I think had this experience of being like wow you are managing the sound of your breath at all times at all
1: times exactly which
0: was an interesting thing too because I hadn't thought that much about my breath outside of like it's embarrassing to present other people with my loud breathing with my mouth breathing etc so I hadn't thought about it in terms of like Can I do three counts of inhale, four counts of holding and five counts of exhale, which I certainly could not, but like just in terms of how I, how will I be perceived by other people? Mm -hmm. And this was an awakening of being like, how am I, what am I doing to myself? So that was when I think we started having conversations about like, maybe I should go and get my nose looked at. And I actually went to a few different ENTs in New York. And what was weird about that experience, I didn't know how to like, I feel like I was just like kind of young still, and I didn't really know how to pick Doctors or be just like what to look for, anything like that, which we'll talk about all of that in this episode too, but they all said different things, like one person was like "You should get your turbinates reduced, another person was like, "You should get full rhinoplasty, and all of it was really expensive, and so we kind of just like filed it away as something that I should do later
1: and and also if, if I remember correctly, none of them gave you a good idea of the problem.
0: Yeah. Like, and they all had kind of vaguely different ideas of the problem. And they also, none of them seemed confident in the problem, which was very strange because just to fast forward for a second, when I went and got consultations this year with ENTs and plastic surgeons, they all said the exact same thing. Like every single person looked in my nose and immediately diagnosed the exact same condition. So I think I just feel really lucky that I didn't go and willy-nilly have something done with one of these doctors in new york
1: you mean you didn't willy-nilly go have something done again
0: <laughs> yeah. I, just, I know this is probably how i ended up I, I need to be be discriminating a lot of people we're going to talk about the money element later too and i think a lot of people have an instinct to like you know i just want to get it done quick or i just want to get it done inexpensively and i will say if there's anything i'm going to say about elective surgery it is do not get it done quickly and do not get it done exp- or inexpensively get it done properly if the proper way to do it happens to be quick or less pricey great but those should not be the deciding factors with elective surgery on your body and ideally not the deciding factors with non-elective surgery either. But I understand that sometimes we're in situations that, you know, you can't
1: help. And with that being said, right. Like I know you, you often tell your story of how you broke your nose in Brazil. Yes. And that it was a brilliant plastic surgeon. Yeah. But it was also somebody that in Brazil you had not vetted, you had no way of knowing, you were too young to even understand it. But I'm sure there was a perfectly capable, excellent plastic surgeon in Brazil. Yes. Who, was, who was able and and would have been able to basically set everything right and do everything right.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I would just say that like do vet and I wasn't doing that in New York. And I just like thank my lucky stars that I didn't end up paying for a surgery then because I have no idea what I would have ended up with. And it certainly wouldn't have been what I ended up with now. So it all just felt really – I think the reason that I decided not to do it at the time was it just felt really expensive and I didn't feel like I could afford to take that plunge at that time. So we waited. And then um, basically during the pandemic was the first time that I felt like I had enough money saved up to even be considering this again. And at the same time, it was just really coming more and more into my awareness, the negative effects of not being able to breathe fully through my nose. So you got really into breath work, nose breathing, all of those types of things. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that?
1: Yeah. I started getting really into breath work and I want to say...
0: I pictured March. in Tucson, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, or, even, or mostly even more in Santa Santa Fe.
0: Fe. I pictured a yeah. lot in Santa Fe. Yeah, sure. but also- We, I love our nomad life. I do think it's funny we demarcate time by like, was it Tucson? Was it Santa Fe? Was it St. George? Which
1: is like a deeply unreliable marker because it's like five weeks, four weeks, three weeks. It's still
0: like a pretty, <laughs> if you could narrow right, any so- event in your life down to f- a four to five week period, it's like, okay.
1: That's true. I yeah. do that at all. Yeah. Um, but I would say it even started before that when we were- just starting our nomad life and really getting into oh
0: hiking hiking yeah
1: and not just hiking but hiking at altitude altitude yeah Yeah, yeah, so like we're at thirteen thousand feet, feet and that was a we worked way up to that over a period of like a number of months but in working out up to that i feel like you were and i guess i guess there's a part of it that's like once like you're really like huffing and puffing everybody's using their mouth Right. right,
0: and there's also the question of how much on hikes I used as an excuse, like, "Well, I can't even breathe through my nose." To like as a reason and that I all like, none of us can. <laughs> as a <laughs> reason that I can't can hike anywhere. this because <laughs> I'm definitely there's Zach's hiking ability and mine, and he's very nice. I have I have friends who describe watching their partners like disappear into the distance on a trail.
1: You know who you are
0: but and zach does not do that which i really appreciate and if he did i would yell at him because i'm afraid of bears um <laughs> but
1: you mean you'd yell at me don't leave me with the, bears. Me
0: with the bears i remember there's one hike we did in montana and you and our girlfriend were like walking a little one of our six
1: feet ahead of you
0: a little bit at it and i was just like you guys don't care about me you want me to be eaten by grizzlies. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah so the hiking made di- it did it was the most physical fitness I've done in my life up until that point. I kind of I also like in general, I would say I became a little bit serious about working out again when I was an editor and the fitness editor pestered me enough until I started being like, wow, working out is great. Why haven't I ever done this before? But then during the pandemic, I think like a lot of people, I became very serious about working out because it became critical for my sanity since we couldn't leave our. 500 square foot Brooklyn apartment we could go for walks but they were very crowded walks and in those early days we didn't know how anything was we didn't know anything
1: so most people were there for this pandemic they know what you're
0: talking about yeah 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 you might remember (laughs) um so I, I would say though that as my fitness interests and working out interests increased I became aware of the importance of breath in that way and then, in February and March, you got really into breath work,
1: yeah, yeah, and I was God it getting into that was a weird thing. I think we were looking, I was just talking about like I think the we were talking about spirituality, yeah, and not to go into too much, but we were talking about like how to like how to like manifest spirituality as people who aren't particularly religious yeah and we talked about like a whole bunch of stuff and anyway the long story short was I ended up like with a bunch <laughs> of books about breath work and to not go to too much like James Nestor's breath uh like uh well you
0: were studying... reading James you were listening to James Nestor's breath for a while and you were like you well,
1: have to call me up for listening I can read <laughs> just because it was an audiobook doesn't mean you're supposed to call out that it's not.
0: You were listening to James Nestor's Breath for a while, and you would kind of every day have a, a new fun fact about the importance of nose breathing versus mouth breathing. And if you haven't read that book, I highly, highly recommend it. But it just basically talks about how nose breathing in general is so much healthier for our bodies like it's better for our hormone health it's better for inflammation it's better for longevity it's better for um our anxiety like mouth breathing is both a symptom of but also a cause of anxiety and when i found that out it was it like unlocked something for me
1: yeah he does a really good you know all those things are like nose breathing is good for you in all those ways but the alternative is also bad for you i feel like i feel about like the, the, yeah like the, the the fun facts you said like need to be in scare quotes of like you were trying not to startle me with
0: well i didn't even want remember i didn't even want to read the book because i was like is this gonna just make me terrified about what i'm doing to my body because i can't mostly nose break yeah, he
1: has a he has a very detailed like moving section about him describing when he basically forced himself to become a mouth breather for 30 days and it
0: i ended up reading the book and it was like horrifying and also i read it this is so foolish but i read it like after i already had my surgery scheduled so i knew i was going to go through this period where i could not this breathe is Me, yeah i couldn't breathe when you have your stents near cast on you cannot breathe through your nose literally at all which we'll get into. So let's, okay, so I became very interested in nose breathing and I guess just more aware of the detrimental effects on my whole health, my anxiety, which has been, again, a consistent issue for me for more than a decade. I became aware of those effects of nose breathing on on my whole health. And so then I really, really became adamant that I needed to fix it. So I did a bunch of research and I scheduled appointments with several different people who were ENTs they were double certified as ENTs which is an ear nose and throat doctor they're not ornithologists what are they
1: otolaryngologists I think
0: it's like the it's that's, the weirdest the closest, word on the, the planet yeah <laughs> it's, but they are specialists in your your nose and throat passageways but then also in plastic surgery and that type of surgical reconstruction of a nose so I would recommend if you are getting any sort of rhinoplasty that you look for somebody who is double certified in both of those practices because you're just going to get the most expertise. So I got references from friends. I also here I'll talk to you about I wrote down all of like my sort of vetting process things that I kind of recommend for people. So first double certified. Um, I also recommend looking at their published papers and hospital affiliations. There is some sort of like privilege and class stuff going on there. So i never say take that as a whole picture of somebody or like where they went to college. Again, there's a lot of privilege and class stuff there, but it is worth looking at it as a small part of the picture. I also recommend looking at Real Self, Yelp, and Google reviews. Again, those could be manipulated, but it's worth looking at as a piece of the puzzle because if somebody has a bunch of really terrible reviews that's worth considering
1: with the knowledge that you didn't find anybody who didn't have a couple of a couple terrible yeah
0: i will say that rhinoplasty particularly has a pretty high dissatisfaction rate it's a very hard surgery to do and particularly mine is considered a revision rhinoplasty because it's the second time that i'm getting a surgery on my nose and that is considered very very difficult to do so if it is your second time you want to look for a revision rhinoplasty specialist, you should be literally searching those words, revision rhinoplasty specialist. You're always gonna find negative reviews. Like almost if it's almost a red flag if they have zero, because then I would think that they had been manipulating the reviews. But You don't want a ton of negative reviews, I would say. So look at that too. And then I also like to kind of see if they're respected by their peers. So something that made me feel really good about the doctor that I chose was uh, my my dermatologist, Dr. Samantha Ellis, who I had on a previous episode of the podcast. I highly recommend that one. It's really fun. It's all about different in-office skincare treatments that you can get. But she was following Dr. Most, who is my eventual plastic surgeon, and Dr. Most was following her. And I asked her about him. And she said that she regularly sends her patients to see him and that he's very meticulous and that she really likes his work. So if you can find doctors that you trust, if you can get referrals from doctors that you trust, you can literally call up their offices and say, hey, this is the type of specialist that I'm looking for. Who would you recommend? That's great. And then I also like to use Instagram for that. I like to see who's following the doctors that I'm looking at and who they're following as well. Cause then you can really start to, I do this to vet podcast guests too. It's one of my first phases of vetting, but you can use it to really get an idea what somebody is, is about at a base level. So I, Oh, oh and then the other thing is if they like are kind of another way to see if they're respected by their peers is if they give talks a lot. Uh, my plastic surgeon gives talks all the time. He's, I actually like, when does he go home? Cause he feels like he's literally always doing stuff. He seems very busy. So he's, he's giving talks at like the American society of plastic surgeons, like really respected institutions and they are asking him to come and speak. So that's always a good sign too. And then you want to see if you like their before and after pictures, obviously, because even if you're doing it for primarily functional reasons, like I was, you don't want to end up with an aesthetic result that you don't like, particularly if something is on your face. So always look at the before and after pictures and really look at them and be like, do I actually like this? Do I like the slope of the nose? Do I like a ski jumpy nose? Do I like like a straight nose, et cetera, et cetera. And then also ask how often they perform whatever surgery you're looking to get and what the revision rate is. So for instance, I interviewed a number of different doctors, and one of them had a 15% revision rate, and he did the surgery 150 times a year. And the surgeon that I ended up going with did the surgery 300 times a year and had a 3% revision rate. So that's a significant difference. You really want a low revision rate and a, a high number of times doing the surgery every year. If you know me, you know that I am obsessed with T. My desk at work used to have at least 20 different types of tea on it at all times, and my coworkers would stop by and be like, "Oh, I feel a little bloated," or "I think I have a cold coming on," and I would give them personalized tea recommendations. Now that I work from home, you can be my new coworkers. I am so excited to share one of my favorite tea brands with you, Peak. Peak's teas are really unique. They're extracted by a cold brew crystallization, a super gentle process that preserves active compounds at maximum potential. One of the things that I love most about it is you just get powdered tea, which means you don't need any bags, which can often contain glues and microplastics, or loose leaf brewers, which I love, but I use less often than I like because they're honestly so much work. With Peak, you just pour the tea into your cup and give it a little stir. And even cooler, a lot of their blends can be brewed with cold water in addition to hot. I love their Ginger Digestion Elixir, the Mint Herbal, and the Hibiscus Beauty Elixir. I am also obsessed with their Daily Radiance Liposomal Vitamin C. I took it in the weeks leading up to my surgery and religiously every day after because there are studies that show that vitamin C can help with healing, and I do think it was part of the reason that my recovery was so quick. Liposomal Vitamin C has a specific encapsulation process that helps the vitamin C actually be delivered to your cells for maximum bioavailability. I also love vitamin C to support healthy immune function, and also to help support glowing skin from the inside out. If you've been following my Instagram journey with caffeine, you might have also seen that I have been experimenting with matcha recently. Peak's Sun Goddess Matcha has long been the matcha that I bought for Zach. It's organic, ceremonial grade, and quadruple toxin screen for purity. Matcha in general is phenomenally good for you. It helps support skin health, digestion, and it provides a gentle, stress-free energy boost because of its L-theanine content. I've actually really been enjoying the Sun Goddess Matcha Lattes that Zach's been making me some mornings. They don't make me feel jittery or anxious like most caffeine does at all. Peak is currently offering an exclusive bundle to take you step-by-step through creating a healthy skin and energy routine, which includes their Sun Goddess Matcha, Peak glass beaker and two limited time offer bonus gifts, a handheld frother and detox book worth forty-five dollars for free. You can also get an additional 5% off on the bundle or anything else on peaktea.com slash Lizmoody using my code Lizmoody. Again, it's peaktea.com P I Q U E T E A dot com Lizmoody with code Lizmoody. I cannot wait for you to try this tea now. Let's get back to the episode. So I did a bunch of different consults. Weird process. The good news is, like I said earlier, all of them said the exact same thing was wrong with my nose, which is that I had a collapsed wall in the top part of it, and then I had a dub do- so that made the passageway smaller for the air to go through it all. And then I had a double deviated septum. So my septum was in a Z shape. So it was blocking both nostrils. So my nostrils were blocked and they were smaller in the first place. And so every single plastic surgeon was like, you need to get the surgery done. You will experience a huge, dramatic increase in your ability to breathe. I cannot believe you've waited this long to get this surgery. This is bananas.
1: You have like one third of one nostril. <laughs>
0: <probably>. <laughs> yeah, they were um, they were very adamant. And they all said the same thing, which made me feel really comfort- comforted. And so I picked um, Dr. Sam Most. He is the chief of plastic surgery at Stanford University. He is also... A E N T. he's double certified and just like he had a really I liked his vibe I liked the energy I liked his affiliations I liked his before and after work I liked like I said that other doctors that I trusted recommended him he just seemed kind of like I like that I could recover here honestly that wouldn't have been we're at Zach's parents house right now uh, in Berkeley, and it, that wouldn't have been a deciding factor for me, but it was really nice to not have to go to a hotel down in L- the other people I were interviewing was was down in L. I. So, um, so that was really nice. So, I had a consult, and then I had a pre op appointment. I did some sort of pre op prep, which I'll talk about briefly. I, <laughs> I ate a lot of pineapple. The idea is that pine pineapple has bromelain, which is It helps with bruising and swelling and inflammation. Mm -hmm. Some people think it's true. Some people don't. There's some loose studies to support it, but nothing very concrete. It's kind of like a, you can do it. If you go on TikTok, a lot of people swear by it for surgery. So I, I did do it. I think the biggest thing that I probably did was I stayed in really good shape Even though I knew I wouldn't be able to work out after the surgery, that was weird. Like when I was working out up until the surgery, but I knew I was going to have to take three weeks off working out because it's like you're building muscle to not have it anymore. It makes it very acute, the idea that you're working out for the benefits like almost right at that moment versus just like a – because you're cutting off the chain of benefits almost. So that was an interesting psychological experience as well. And it paid off. And it paid off. So I – worked out a lot and i cut out drinking 2 weeks before that they say to cut out drinking and smoking because both of those can affect your blood vessels, your swelling and your ability to heal. I did not smoke, but i did cut out drinking. And what else did i do leading up to it? I ate like pretty i ate Got extra low, clean, low sugar. Low sugar, uh again to kind of anything that can help stave off inflammation. You want to do so more of it my, for me. Except for
1: the pineapple,
0: for me, it's I did fibrous pineapple too versus like the juice for my blood sugar. It um, it's also really good. It felt really fun and tropical islandy. I was like, I like having pineapple around. We should do this more often. Uh,
1: <laughs> Coladas. It way was down. like
0: I don't know. It was fun and sassy. But anything you can do to kind of really cut down on inflammation. Oh, and I started drinking bone broth, um, and I continued to drink bone broth through out after my surgery and to this day and i'll talk about the stuff i did that i think helped the most post-surgery but bone broth is very 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 high on my list
1: bone broth was half the cost of the surgery
0: (laughs) it just it really was so it it makes you it makes me feel really like grounded and satiated and nourished but also it has a lot of it's basically the idea is it's like leaching nutrients from bones. That's what it's made from. So it has a lot of those protein building blocks that you need to create new tissue to create new bone mass, to create new cartilage, et cetera, basically to heal your body. And it just, it felt, it felt like I was nourishing myself.
1: I was actually recovering from an exercise-based injury at about this time. And it was really nice to like sap bone broth off Liz's supply, <laughs> which I then had to go refill. So,
0: and I had quite a supply, but yeah, it's not something that we've kept in the house a lot because it is pricey, but or,
1: or, like just time consuming to make it yourself.
0: We had a kick where yeah. we
1: made it ourselves all the time and it is time consuming, but it's honestly worth it to make it yourself too.
0: Okay, so let's talk about, so the night before surgery, we went and stayed at a hotel in Palo Alto. Um, It was really fun and really nice. And
1: was the right idea because Bay Area traffic to get you to a surgery is not like the move.
0: No, it, it was, yeah, I'm we had to be there at seven or six.
1: It was like, we left when it was dark and we got there when the sun was coming up.
0: Yeah, we, we left. It was, we had to be there very, very, very early in the morning. And so- I didn't sleep at all the night before. You do you slept, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. I slept literally not at all. And I, I kinda didn't expect to. Um, but it was it was also a little fun to be in a hotel like we went out to eat at the restaurant, which was called Roger. The hotel was called Ameswell. Highly recommend if you're ever in like the Palo Alto Bay mountain view type area super cute it was super cute um they gave us a really nice suite actually which was really lovely and it just it felt fun like it felt like we were making it celebratory instead of i don't know like marching to our my doom you know. I got a
1: really good bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich <laughs> when I got back from dropping you off. That was Great! I'm so glad.
0: I mean... I'm so glad. Anyways, I didn't sleep at all the night before. We drive to the surgery place. Zach drops me off because he. It's a long surgery. I was like, you know, what, eight hours or something.
1: Oh, uh, well, and uh, it's also because of their really strict COVID protocols. So and I, they have strict COVID
0: protocols. So you drop me off, and. I went inside and it was just – it was such a weird experience. I was so nervous. And they're, like, taking your vitals and you would have – you had to spray Afrin up into your nose, like, think three or four times. Every You do it every 15 minutes, three times, I think, before you actually go get on the operating table. Yeah, I don't think I've told you about that yet. So you're just, like, spraying Afrin up your nose. They're – Asking you questions, taking your blood pressure, whatever. You're just kind of sitting there in this cold room. And then the weirdest part for me was that you walk into the surgical room, like you walk into it and lay down on the table yourself on your own volition. Like you're not wielding. I don't know. It just felt so like, please harvest my organs. Like it felt so griefy to me, that action of laying down on the table. And I just remembered every single step in the process, even when I was making my consult appointments, when I was paying for it, my every like the COVID test that I took before, every single step of the way, I just was like, just do the next thing, just do this one next thing, just do this one next thing. And I kind of to this day can't believe that just doing that one next thing ended up with me actually going through it because I was so scared. And I do think it's a good way to approach, I guess, scary stuff is just do. don't think about the whole thing. It's just just do this one next thing. So when I walked in, I was like, just sit down. And even when I was getting on the operating I was like, just lay down on the table. Like, don't think about having sex. And And then I even asked them. I was like, does anybody ever just like get up and leave at this point? (laughs) And they were like, no, that's never happened. And I was like, doesn't mean it never will.
1: (laughs) I could be special in that way.
0: (laughs) I could be special in that way. And then the anesthesiologist, who is really nice, he asked me. I told him I was really scared and he was like, what are your fears? And I was like, that you'll kill me. <laughs> um, and he was like, I've never done that before. And I was like, that's great to know. He's also my surgeon said, I don't know if he just says this, but he said that this anesthesiologist put his own daughter under. So that was supposed to make me feel better. And it did, even if it was a lie. And then the anesthesiologist said, because I was so scared that he would give me an anti anxiety thing in my IV. And I was like, sounds great. Love it. And he's like, okay, I'm just going to put that in now. And that's the last thing I remember. And to this day, I don't know if he put an anti-anxiety thing in and it just – I dissociated. don't remember. Or if he lied and he put in the anesthesia.
1: I think that you were just so tired from not sleeping the night before that you just like literally laid down. The
0: second I like, relaxed. You, you were prone
1: and your body was like, eh. I'm so
0: sleepy. Let's lazy. call it in. I don't know what it was. and Because I've had anesthesia before. I've had two shoulder surgeries in my life. And I distinctly remember – them being like, you're going to count back from 100 and me being like, I don't feel tired at all. I'm going to probably get to one and have to start over again. And then you get to like 98 and fall asleep. Like, I remember that feeling so distinctly. And this was nothing like that. He was like, OK, me put the anti-anxiety stuff in. And then I woke up and it was so trippy. I was I woke up and I was I think was I laying or sitting? Were you there when I woke up? I don't remember. What happened when I woke up?
1: <laughs> well, um, so I got a call. And they were like, "The surgery is complete." And I-
0: what time was it? Like, I, you dropped me off at seven.
1: Yeah, I dropped me off at like like 6:30, 7 a.m. Whatever. Late. It was it was late in the afternoon. Like like three. Like three, three or four. Yeah,
0: yeah. Which is bananas because I like I just.
1: Yeah, you're younger because of it, you know. Like, I don't think it works it. like that. No? I wish. <laughs> um, Maybe
0: I'm younger because of my new hot nose. Fair enough. We love talking about our gut health here on the Healthier Together podcast, which is why I'm so excited to share the life-changing Seed Daily Symbiotic. I actually discovered Seed back when I was working as an editor full-time. A bottle came across my desk, and I was instantly taken by how cute the green glass packaging is. Then I found out that that packaging was actually refillable so that Seed could share its products as sustainably as possible. And then I actually looked into the research behind Seed, and, well, I was blown away. First of all, seed is not just a probiotic. It is a symbiotic. That means it contains both pre and probiotics, which is super important. In fact, if you remember my Ask the Doctor Gut Health edition, we talked about how prebiotics are one of the most important and often underlooked components of great gut health. Let me break it down for you. Probiotics are the live bacteria that are so beneficial to our gut health, but prebiotics are the food that those probiotics need to thrive. If you don't have ample prebiotics, the probiotics you're consuming will be undernourished and not be able to help your health in the way that you want. Speaking of your health, there's also a common misconception that probiotics or symbiotics are for people with gut issues, which is so not true. Like, yes, the seed symbiotic is amazing for your gut health, but your gut health impacts everything in your entire body, your skin, your mental health, your cardiovascular health, your ability to actually assimilate the maximum amount of nutrients from all that healthy food you're eating, having a happy gut is critical for all of it. It is hard to narrow down everything else that I love about seed. I am extremely particular with my supplements and I don't take many, but seed is just stellar across the board. It's been tested and tested and tested. Seriously, their testing process is bananas to make sure that it has 100% survival through the digestive process, which is so rare, and somehow they do all of that without needing refrigeration, which is very handy. I find that when I have refrigerated probiotics, I just forget about them and they get buried behind like old jars of pasta sauce, whereas I keep these on my bedside table, so I'm reminded to take them every single night. They also contain the 24 strains that are the most scientifically studied to support your whole body's health. I am obviously passionate about this stuff. Taking care of my gut has been a key part of my own anxiety journey. And Seed has been a vital part of that. So feel free to reach out with any questions. And if you like learning about gut health and how probiotics and prebiotics actually function, I highly recommend heading over to Seed.com. They have a whole educational section that breaks down the science behind your microbiome in some of the easiest to understand ways that I have ever seen. And if you would like to try Seed for yourself and pretty much change your life forever, you can go to Seed.com and use the code Liz Moody for 15% off your first month supply of Seed's daily symbiotic. Again, that's code Liz Moody on Seed.com. Now, let's get back to the episode.
1: So yeah, I got a call and they were like, Liz is out of surgery. And I was like, did it go well? And they're like, it went great. And I was like, so good. And they were like, and you can come by in like forty-five minutes to an hour. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Great. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm 10 minutes away. Can I just come now? And they're like, no, don't um so I rock up like 40 minutes later and come in and they give me all these aftercare instructions.
0: Um, before you saw me
1: no no during me seeing you
0: so what okay so what did you think when you first saw me were you like this chick is
1: beat i mean i don't know what i expected but like there was blood and like obvious stitches and it was a little like face frankenstein-y was it jarring
0: like were you were you like did you think did i i don't know was it like unattractive i guess
1: I don't think we need to talk about it in, in terms of attractiveness because it doesn't look – it doesn't, like, look normal. It's not like – you're not like, oh, that's a really ugly way to look like you got <laughs> punched in the face with a sledgehammer. Okay. Like, it was, it was very um, – of course it was jarring. But the funny part was, like, you're there cracking jokes. And you're, like, you're, you're deeply complimentary. I don't
0: remember any of this.
1: Two uh, nurses who are like taking care of you. You're cracking jokes about our sex life. <laughs> you're cracking jokes about everything, and it was, um, it was heartwarming. And it's it's actually kind of fun. Because
0: did I seem loopy though, or did I seem like my normal self? You, it,
1: it's like your, I mean, it's like your normal no filter self, but on steroids. Like, like kind like of
0: a, how I'm drunk.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. It seemed like it seemed like you were. Although, honestly, a little less sloppy than when you're, like, really drunk like that. Interesting. You know, hey, there's, like, a moment to try it out sometime. No, it it, it was actually really um, comforting because you were cogent – you were you were like you were very like um It was
0: like she's still in there.
1: You were no you were very <laughs> you were very gregarious and joking but uh-huh. you were like deeply cogent. You were still deeply cogent and like you were like making sense. It just felt like you had no filter on it at all.
0: But the weirdest part is that I don't remember it at all. Like that's the weird it, it's For weird sure. that I was like fully cogent, fully like joyful, happy, whatever, but I don't remember
1: it at all. Right. And it's cuz you know you're, you're you're waking up. Your body's like yeah. coming back to reality. And uh but it it was really it was really reassuring actually because like you know i'm like oh god are you okay and you're like yeah you know got some blood on me <laughs> doing my thing
0: <laughs> so then they gave him aftercare instructions and uh then we drove home we it was about an hour drive back to berkeley we listened to an episode of you're wrong about and i actually when we went to get my cast off we listened to the second half of the episode and I was like, oh, I remember the first half of the, of the episode. Damn. So that felt good. I had some pineapple juice in the car. I was really nervous about not being able to eat in the morning because blood sugar used to be a huge anxiety trigger for me. Um, so I wanted to have some sort of like juice or something in my body as quickly as possible. So I had some pineapple juice in the car. I had my Squishmallow in the car with me. Um, also for context, my nose was in a cast. There were stitches and all of that. But also because of the type of surgery I had, I had a rib graft rhinoplasty. So they took some of my rib cartilage. And remember when I was talking about the collapsed wall, they used that rib cartilage, which is The strongest cartilage in the body, I believe. People will also talk to you about cadaver cartilage. The disadvantage of that is that your body is more likely to reject it. And then ear cartilage, which I believe is just a little bit weaker. Don't quote me on that, but I believe that's what my surgeon's opinion on it is. And rib cartilage, it's more painful to harvest, but it's really, really, really strong. So you won't run into issues with your nose collapsing down the line. So they had harvested my rib and used that- cartilage and use that to build my nose wider so in addition to my recovery being about what was going on my face it really was and has continued to be about recovering from this like two to three inch incision i had below my boob
1: which i didn't really realize at the time they gave me no care instructions on so i had to like call later i was like what do i do about the rib and they're like nothing it 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 has like a magical band-aid slash stitch slash like they, they had some cool name for it that I'm sure medical people on who are listening to this know exactly what I'm, I'm talking about. But like it's like it a healing
0: like, bandage. It like
1: takes care of everything and it like fell off three weeks later and you have a very there's some scar tissue, but it's like a very clean healed incision just like done.
0: So we got home and the first day I actually did not feel too terrible. Like I remember you hung out in bed with me. We watched some sex in the city. I was talking I think I drank some bone broth. My throat was really sore from the breathing tube. But other than that, I felt like I was in pretty good spirits. And then I slept super well that night, which everybody says it's super hard to sleep because you can't get comfortable. You can't breathe through your nose at all. And that makes it really hard to sleep. But I actually slept incredibly well during my whole recovery.
1: Well, I think you should talk about your sleeping setup because it was like a production.
0: Yeah, I had a wedge pillow that I'll link in the show notes, but it kind of makes you sitting almost all the way up and then I don't usually I'm a, I'm a side and belly sleeper. So in the months leading up to the operation, I got I was very nervous about sleeping on my back and I kind of got around it by I had a pillow on either side of me and I kind of put my arms there and they made it so I couldn't roll over and then I had this wedge pillow propping me up so I was sleeping almost upright.
1: It was almost like you made, like, a recliner chair out of pillows. In a bed. Yeah. yeah. In a bed. Yeah. In a bed, yeah. And then
0: I had my Barefoot Dreams blanket, which was really cozy and comforting. And then I had my Squishmallow, which was also an MVP of surgery because I would hold my Squishmallow. He's the walrus. His name is Walter. If you don't know what a Squishmallow yeah. <laughs> is, it's a very plush stuffed animal, like very plush. My sister uses them in her th- – she's a psychologist. She uses them for therapy. And I tried one out at her house and I was like, this is wonderful.
1: They like made it a memory. They're like a soft memory foam. Oh.
0: And then she gave me one for my birthday and his name's is Walter and he's a walrus. And I would hold him against my rib whenever I moved and it made it hurt less. So he ended up being like a real surgery recovery MVP. When I worked as a magazine editor, I wrote more than a thousand articles about turmeric because pretty much all of the doctors that I used as sources kept recommending it or citing it as one of the supplements that they would personally take. Here's the background. Turmeric is one of the most powerful ways to fight inflammation. In a nutshell, there are two types of inflammation, acute and chronic. Acute inflammation can actually be a good thing. It's one of the ways that your body heals and repairs itself. But when that system goes haywire, we get chronic inflammation which essentially makes your body feel like it's constantly under attack. The vast majority of doctors I work with cite chronic inflammation as one of the root causes of so many of our modern ailments, and research links inflammation with heart disease, diabetes, autoimmune conditions, cancer, arthritis, and gut issues like Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. I am never going to sit around and tell you that a supplement will cure everything that ails you But if you're looking for a turmeric supplement to help get your inflammation under control, I am extremely impressed with Paleo Valley's. To increase the bioavailability of turmeric, you need to consume it with black pepper, which most people know, and fat, which many people forget about. Paleo Valley's turmeric complex has black pepper and coconut oil to maximize absorption and three other powerful anti-inflammatories, ginger, rosemary, and clove, for a maximum synergistic response. It also has no fillers, binders, or preservatives and is made with all organic ingredients and just a veggie capsule. Finally, it's third-party tested, which is something I always look for in supplements as extra assurance of their quality. I've had my uncle taking this for about three months and he's gone from having debilitating back pain due to an autoimmune condition to being almost completely pain-free. Paleo Valley has a number of other incredibly high-quality food-derived supplements, including a vitamin C that I adore, vitamin C is my ultimate favorite supplement for skin health, and a NeuroEffect mushroom powder that Zach loves for increasing energy and focus, so definitely explore their website. If you'd like to check out the Turmeric Complex, the Vitamin C, the NeuroEffect, or any of Paleo Valley's other amazing products, Head over to PaleoValley.com and use the code LizM for 15% off. That's PaleoValley.com and code LizM for 15% off your order. And if you have any questions, feel free to hit me up on Instagram. I love chatting about this stuff. Now, let's get back to the episode. So I don't get too long into this because I feel like this we're we're getting lengthy here, but the recovery was better than I expected in terms of my sleep. I slept almost all the time. I just feel like I mostly slept, but it was worse than I expected in almost like every other way. Like it was not physically painful except for my rib, which did hurt quite a bit. It felt like I don't know if you've ever broken a rib or something like that, but it was it was pretty stabby, severe pain in my rib whenever I moved. But I felt completely wiped out, so tired all the time. I did not end up actually getting out of bed for the first seven days except for to use the bathroom. I ate in bed. And when I did use the bathroom, I felt so weak. I had to kind of like hold on to the bathroom sink to like steady myself. I felt really dizzy and lightheaded all the time. I don't know if that was because of the medicine or the ear, nose, and throat thing of having your nose completely clogged. Um, and you can't breathe through your nose all, but I felt really dizzy and lightheaded all the time. And I also felt super nauseous, which we identified later as being because of the antibiotics. We thought it was because I was on Norco for pain meds. Right. Vic- Vicodin for pain meds. But... And when I stopped taking those, I thought that my nausea would go away, and it didn't uh, go away until I stopped my antibiotics. So I was on a pretty powerful antibiotic because they don't want you to get any sort of infection after surgery. That's the biggest risk by far. But I was so nauseous all the time. And trying. one of the biggest challenges post-surgery was eating enough food to take all of my medicine. It's really hard to eat when you can't breathe through your nose at all. One, you can't really taste anything. Uh somebody asked if I lost my sense of smell and taste. And the answer is like mostly. You have for smell and taste, you have on your tongue the basic flavor. So like sweet, salty, bitter, sour. But then what your sense of smell does is it adds nuance and flavor to all of those basic tastes. And so I could taste like with when something was like sweet or salty, but I couldn't taste any nuance or depth or like anything beyond that. And it made it really hard to want to eat because everything just tastes so unpalatable. And I would say it's only even been within the last few days that I've started to get that back. And that's still not completely back. And that was very trippy and very disconcerting. But yeah, it just, we did a lot of liquid foods, a lot of bone broth, a lot of smoothie, a lot of soft scrambled eggs. Really. I was just trying to eat enough to take all of my medicine. I was just wiped out, tired. I felt like my nose felt like the feeling you get when you get water up your nose when you go swimming and it just kind of like tingles and is really uncomfortable. It's not painful, but it just was uncomfortable from the inside out. And so I just laid in bed. I watched Sex in the City. I tried not to throw up because I was terrified of throwing up with my nose um and and messing up any of the work that my surgeon had done and then Zach took care of me.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and that is the the kind of the physical day to day in a lot of ways, but there was also like a very real I think emotional tool which you made me remind you or to you to made talk me to about tell, later. Yeah, to tell you to like to remember yeah. to okay, which which was basically. And no one should have let you do this, but you were – you started watching – I say no one, I mean me. Uh, you started watching a lot of like people's nose know, job – Vlogs. Like vlogs. Yeah. apparently that's a whole subcategory of vlogs. Yeah. And I remember you – and you're on like day two or three or four. I think day two or three or four were like the hardest days. And I remember you just being like distraught, like on the edge of like, you know, tears – but like, not feeling like you had the freedom to cry, lest you, like, yeah. you know, blow your nose out or something. Like yeah. That. And you were like, whatever you do, don't let me do this podcast without covering the fact that everybody online's a liar. <laughs> and I was like, everybody? And you're like, everybody. <laughs> They're all liars. And you showed me some of these no jobs, and it's like people like,
0: Five days out, they
1: like, well, they they do like day one, like oh, we're driving home, I look silly, blah blah blah, and then they're like, and then it was just me healing, and then shmeh, and you're like, they do not capture the like deep feeling of, I guess
0: discomfort,
1: yeah, true pain,
0: it's because it's pain. not pain, it's not pain, pain's other is. But and but when people say that it's not painful, it's just uncomfortable, you're like, oh, I can deal with that. But no, it's discomfort to such an extreme level. Like there were days I was like, was this insane? I shouldn't have done this. It was the most uncomfortable week of my life far and away. And I say this as somebody who is agoraphobic and, and bedbound with anxiety that was so physically uncomfortable that... I had thoughts that I don't want to get into here. And this la- that week was the most uncomfortable and week of my can life. Can
1: you pull back up those feelings? Yeah, so like, I can. Still... I can.
0: They're not fresh. And I, I think this is why people say they don't regret their surgeries later is because as the pain diminishes and just the results kind of creep in, you are like, oh, yeah, that was definitely worth it. But that week in those moments, I would have traded almost anything really to just be able to even breathe a teeny tiny bit through my nose for a second. I thought I'd be fine with that because I was like, I haven't breathed through my nose in 10 years, but just that little bit of breathing I was doing through my nose kept me sane in such a way that having all ability to do that taken away from me, it just drove me absolutely crazy. And I don't know, I just felt so, to feel like trapped in your own body is a very weird sensation. And to feel like you've gotten into something you can't get out of. I remember feeling that too. Like I, I had made the choice to have the surgery. You can't just undo it. You now have done the surgery and you have to heal.
1: Right. I remember you saying something along the lines. Like everybody was saying to me, oh, like your nose won't like hurt that much. Da, 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 da. Your ribs going to hurt. Like, yeah. It's going to hurt to get out of bed. And you're like, yeah, my rib hurts. But like I definitely feel like. I was misled yeah. in the level of and you're saying the word discomfort but at the time I think you were saying more like just how much this hurts how much this sucks how much this like like it's just like my face feels Awful. deeply off and so does just like my entire being and experience yeah. and everything else like that and that you you would have still you're like I think I would have still done this but it feels like a It felt like a little bit of like a societal betrayal that like it wasn't spelled out for you.
0: What I was getting into. Right, right. Because you feel like – And I think – And a lot of those vlogs were like people out partying with their friends and stuff like after like five days. Again, I didn't feel like I could get out of bed. I had a post-op appointment at six days. And that's when they took – and and literally the only way I got to that appointment was being on Sunday night. My post-op was Tuesday. On Sunday night, I was like, I can call them Monday and ask them to remove these stents early. And that's how I got through Sunday night. And then Monday, I was like, you already made it to Monday. Just make it to Tuesday. Like, I was talking myself through moment by moment, hour by hour of this phys- – it also feels like something's like, expanding in your nose, like – Your nose feels trapped in the cast and the stents are like shoved up in the nose. It was terrible. So, but I couldn't get out of bed until we had to physically go to the doctor to get the stents removed. And even then I felt dizzy. I barely like made it into the office and then I came back and I, my, my recovery immediately started going uphill or down. It got better after that moment, but for the whole first week. I literally just laid in bed naked, feeling terrible, <laughs> like just and, sucking on bone broth.
1: Which is a, to remind to say this: this it wasn't just like an, a cosmetic nose job, right? Like yeah, th- th- those these things are.
0: But even if you get a cosmetic nose job, which I'm not against for any reason, but I do think you should know what you're getting into. Although, what oh, I mean you is, mean mine I mean, was like I mean, a harder recovery. Of, in terms
1: of severity, yeah. more work was done.
0: I will say that too, is I think that some, if you have just a solely, I don't mean to scare anybody, if you have a solely like just fixing a bump or something, your nose, I don't think it will be this bad. I think it was the fact that they were like reducing terminates and moving my septum and then grafting a rib on made my recovery a lot more intense so six days out they take your cast off they take the stents out which everybody was like that's gonna be crazy i guess there's like a lot of tiktoks about it i was
1: gonna go and make a tiktok and she wouldn't let me (laughs) i'm sorry to everybody
0: they but that wasn't that crazy the crazy thing is they take this suction thing like the thing they would use to suck your mouth when you're like getting your teeth cleaned at the dentist it's basically something that looks like that and they shove it all the way up your nose, like all the way. Like if you've had a PCR COVID test, that's how far up your nose they go, but it's with a suction thing and it's horrifying. And I screamed and I was like, are you taking my brain out with that thing? What are you doing? And And it's so funny because he, my doctor was just like, What's the big deal? Like, why are you reacting like this? And then everybody I've talked to online about this has been like, I shrieked. It was horrifying. I'm like, Why are all the doctors out there acting like this is like I was the only person ever on the planet to react like it was crazy? But it was insane. But then I immediately, being able to breathe through my nose at all, and he removed all my stitches except for a few inside ones that will dissolve, immediately felt so much better. And I will say, then your nose swells up a lot and gets really puffy and I looked I kept saying like a troll doll which Zach didn't think I looked like a troll doll um
1: <laughs> it, 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 it it's actually really funny because you you it's it's really funny how when we I'm sure everybody's experiences like like when when we see people like minute to minute to minute like it's you you don't clock the changes yeah but looking back at those photos, like your, I look silly. your nose looks like a—it doesn't real look like the right size for my fitness, yeah. face. Yeah,
0: and so you are like you have this like few minutes of great breathing, and then it just swells. And looking great, and then it swells up again, being out of the cast. And then I just kind of slowly—I still spent you know a lot of days in bed and getting my energy back. I'm not allowed to work out for three weeks, which it'll be the day this podcast come out comes out will be three weeks. And three weeks is really when you can kind of start going back to your normal life. And six weeks is when you can really start going back to your normal life. We're up to
1: 14,000 feet in three weeks. Yeah. On Wednesday. (laughs) Wait, what? What?
0: Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) Just kidding. No, 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 no. Um, But yeah, it was terrible. I think I'm still happy I did it. But it was, again, if you'd asked me that four or five days in, I don't know if I would be. Also, I keep feeling the intense. I don't know if this is Freudian or not. And I was then too. I just want to like smack my nose around a little bit. Like I, it's like, it feels like a forbidden urge.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it is.
0: I just want to like wiggle my nose and I know you're not allowed to do that. Okay. I wanted to say a few other things that I found um, helpful in recovery, and then I'm going to answer a few questions. So we talked about my wedge pillow, which I'll link a humidifier critical. This is actually one of the most uncomfortable things that I almost forgot to talk about which is your throat gets so sore, at least mine did, because I was only breathing through my mouth all night. I woke up and my mouth felt so like papery and dry and cotton coated and just absolutely disgusting and my throat hurt so bad both I think from swallowing all of the mouth bacteria that I got from mouth breathing all night but also just from the it never recovered from the breathing tube and then from um breathing in dry air all night so the humidifier I have a canopy, a canopy humidifier that helped a lot and then a tongue scraper I tongue scraped obsessively because my tongue just felt so disgusting like i cannot overstate how gross my mouth felt so that was really helpful hot honey water was immensely helpful with soothing my throat you made me hot honey water all the time
1: i realized the secret was to just keep adding honey until it couldn't take more honey
0: i it's wonderful
1: here here for it
0: my bone broth which i've already shouted out a million times the peak daily radiance packets they're vitamin C elderberry packets, and I would just like suck on them. They felt really good in my throat. And then also vitamin C. There's some really great studies about how that helps post surgery and pre-surgery with your body healing itself, which makes sense because if you consume vitamin C, it helps build collagen in your body. So love those. Love my green smoothies. Love my simple modern sippy cup. (laughs) I put ice water in that, like really cold ice water, which Again, just helped my sore throat so much. My My throat was incredibly sore for the whole first week and then somewhat sore, I'd say, for the second and even third week.
1: I do like that you ordered a new sippy cup with like a cooler aesthetic I thought to like help, deserved help, help get you through the yeah. whole situation. Yeah. And it
0: keeps the water really, really cold and has a nice straw. So you don't have to like lift anything up to drink from it. Uh, ice packs, icing. Obviously, there's icing constantly. It helped with both the pain and then also it's supposed to be very good for swelling. And then my Juve red light therapy, which I didn't do at all during the first week. But then I started doing it after. Because again, I literally, literally, I can't overstate how much I did not get out of bed.
1: You did it before too.
0: No, I didn't. didn't oh, you? before the surgery? Yeah. Yeah, I did it before surgery. And then I did it after the first week. And I think that that helped a lot. I My bruising went away very quickly. Oh, and I took these supplements called Heal Fast. I can also link these in the show notes. It's hard to say when you're doing a bunch of different things for something, like to isolate one variable that worked. But I liked the ingredients of the supplement. They're really designed for injury healing and post-surgery healing. So I like those as well. I don't know. Friends, I am so excited about this mid-roll. It's been literally years in the making. Basically, I have struggled with my allergies forever. I'm allergic to my cat, Bella, and to pollen, and to a bunch of other things. Basically, I'm drippy and itchy all the time. When I was working in the magazine world, I told one of my editor friends about how I would wake up every day sneezing, and she told me about a miracle air purifier she had. She'd found it when reviewing a bunch of different air purifiers for a story, and she said that it changed her life. It is the only one that I can legitimately tell a difference when I forget to run it at night, she told me. I looked into it, and while I was tempted, the air purifier was very pricey, so I got another one, a top-rated one, and I kept waking up sneezing with red, puffy eyes. Finally, this year, after a summer spent in Montana wildfire smoke and my surgery right around the corner, I was and I still am terrified to sneeze, I caved and I got an aeroside. And you guys, it has changed my life. Aeroside was developed for NASA and uses proprietary technology to remove 99.9% of smoke, allergens, VOCs, mold, and bacteria from the air with absolutely no ozone or byproducts. It can literally catch things that go right through even the best HEPA filter, and it is FDA certified as a class 2 medical device, which means that surgeons can use it in their operating rooms to create a sterile environment. It's super easy to set up. You just plug it in and turn it on, and it requires low maintenance. You just change out the reaction chamber once a year. And it actually looks super chic, like a very modern, sleek design, and it takes up way less space than any other air purifier that I've had. But you guys, I genuinely, genuinely haven't woken up with itchy eyes or a runny nose since I got this thing, and I used to wake up with itchy eyes and a runny nose every single day. On smoky days in Montana, It took our inside air from hazardous to completely clean. Zach actually has this like air quality tester that we travel with. It is just, it's literally a miracle and I cannot believe it. This is one of those products that I was so obsessed with that I bugged them until they wanted to partner, mostly so that I could give you guys a code because like I said, the one drawback is definitely the price but they gave me the most generous code. You can use Liz600 to get $600 off any of the air purifiers on their website. I personally have the APS200 PM 2.5, but they just released the Aria, which is even cuter and has an even lower price point. So that's probably what I would go for if I were you. I know it's a splurge, but it genuinely has made the biggest difference for my allergies and being able to breathe again is just, it's truly priceless. Also, it's kept me from sneezing and having to face my biggest post-surgery fear, which is also priceless. Again, that's code LIZ600 on aeroside.com, A-I-R-O-C-I-D-E.com for $600 off. Let me know if you get one. I cannot wait to hear how much it helps. Okay, and then a few questions. How did I discuss with friends slash loved ones? Um, I was pretty unapologetic about it. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I
1: I didn't receive an apology.
0: I I just was kind of like this is what I'm doing. I kind of don't think other people should comment on your bodily choices whether they're aesthetic or functional or anything mm-hmm. like that. So I kind of was just like this is what I'm doing.
1: But but at the same time, you are so generally open as a person about your rationale for doing stuff. I think you yeah. give everybody an idea of why you were doing stuff and, and what, what you wanted to get out of it. And it wasn't just like a, I'm going in, peace.
0: Yeah. And I actually ended up being really happy that I was so open about it because then as we've started to see friends ag- again, I haven't had to like hide anything or explain anything. It's been really nice to just have all of my cards on the table. So
1: people know to say, cute nose.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, So that's been good. Somebody asked if I had an identity crisis when the bandages came off. I didn't. I feel like I don't really identify with my looks. Like I look different in my head than I ever feel like I do in pictures or the mirror or anything like that. So I don't, I feel almost like a little disassociated with my looks but it's also hard because you don't really see the final results for so long. So you kind of like get a glimpse of your nose in the mirror, but you have to tell yourself like, this is not the final nose. So I shouldn't criticize it or compliment it or anything like that. I should just kind of like live and let live with it. So basically after it takes like four to six weeks to start to really get an initial vibe of what your nose is going to look like for all the swelling to go down. And then it takes a year for the swelling to completely go down and to have like the final shape of your nose. So for me, I think I was saying this at the top of the episode, but it's just really been an exercise in letting go of control in trusting the process and in being like, there's nothing I can do now. So I see it in the mirror. But I try not to be too attached to it or too attached to the overall outcome with it.
1: But it does look cute.
0: But Zach thinks that it does look cute. Um, Somebody says, did the doctor show you an idea before? Is it a total surprise? Every single doctor I visited did like a morph where they computer generated what they thought my nose should look like. They all looked pretty much the exact same. And also, all of them will have a conversation with you about like, What's your priority between aesthetic and functionality? And I said, far and away, my preference was to prioritize functionality. And if we had to sacrifice aesthetic to get to me breathing better, again, because I just internalized all these reasons I was going to like have all these negative outcomes from my mouth breathing. Um, I was just like, please let me not mouth breathe anymore. So they all looked pretty much the same, though. So I felt like I was kind of going to get the same nose no matter what. Uh, number one question: How much did it cost? I don't want to say exactly how much I paid because I just feel like I'll be bombarded with all sorts of opinions and comments. But I will say that for a top doctor, you can expect to pay between ten and fifteen thousand for a first rhinoplasty. So that would be if it's your first one. But if you're getting a revision, which is again what I had to do because of my whole situation, I would expect to pay between twenty and thirty thousand for a revision rhinoplasty from a top doctor.
1: Well, and what about the insurance thing?
0: Yeah. So, insurance would pay for part of my surgery because basically every ENT confirmed that I definitely couldn't breathe through my nose, that I have a deviated septum, et cetera, et cetera. So, those are all things that are covered. But what they basically cover is the lowest price you can get a rhinoplasty in the United States from. So, think it was like three thousand dollars or something like that and then beyond that a lot of surgeons my own surgeon included have two different facilities that they do surgeries at they have like a private office and then they have a hospital affiliated one and the one at the hospital is the one that's covered by insurance and that one costs more for the hospital than the private facility
1: and and this is not something that's unique to rhinoplasties it's actually something that's, No,
0: there's a whole new york times article there's, a, it, there's
1: right? a really really interesting i mean th- this would be worth anybody who's interested it's worth a google on just the the difference between what hospitals medical facilities etc cetera, etc cetera, charge insurance providers and what they charge private and why it's a difference and why with even with insurance you would you can end up paying more because that was yeah. a, we ended up not using our quite decent insurance insurance because it would
0: have literally cost me more because
1: it would have more out of pocket for us
0: yeah so even though insurance would have paid for like three to five thousand dollars of it or whatever i would have actually ended up paying more out of pocket because of the different facility charges and i don't know it was really confusing to me i had had them explain it to me like five times i didn't really get it but zach said that it made sense
1: it makes sense in like a healthcare in this country is
0: has a lot of problems
1: uh yeah it's hard issued
0: yeah, I know. It's hard, especially after living in Europe where, like, I remember the first time I went to the hospital, the doctor in England and I was, like, hovering at the desk afterwards being like, do you want my copay?" And they were yeah. just like, leave. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I ended up not going with insurance. And also if I went through insurance in this other facility, I would have had to wait till March to get the surgery and I would have ended up paying more. So I didn't pay with insurance even though I – would have been covered by insurance if that makes sense. And I'm, as of like right now, I actually can breathe through my nose better today than I have been able to pretty much any day up until now. Like today, I feel a pretty drastic difference, at least in one nostril. The swelling changes day to day. My nose literally looks different day to day. So that's really interesting. But I'm just kind of in the wait and see mode to find out how my breathing is going to be. The surgeon said that. It was a very successful operation. Everybody I've talked to have actually been lucky enough because people see on Instagram who my surgeon was. And then I have people who follow me on Instagram and they'll reach out and be like, oh, I had my surgery done with Dr. Most a year ago, two years ago, six months ago. I had one woman who had her surgery a few weeks ahead of mine, and she's been keeping me up to date on all of the healing steps of her process. Bless her. (laughs) Yeah, she's amazing. Because
1: like... And has, and has helped your mental health in a way that's helped my mental health. and yeah,
0: She's been amazing. So everybody I've talked to has said their breathing has been immeasurably better. They are so happy with their results. I'm not quite there yet. I'm very excited to be there. So I will keep you all updated as we see what happens. But um, I'm happy with how it looks so far. I don't look like a troll doll anymore, I don't think. And I'm happy with the idea that I might be able to breathe someday. And I definitely feel like I'm over the healing hump where I feel like myself again. I feel like I have my energy back. My rib still twinges and hurts, especially when I roll over in the middle of the night. I've been sleeping, hugging Walter against my rib. And I just kind of, again, hold him over when I'm rolling over in the middle of the night. I'm still sleeping, not on my crazy wedge pillow setup, but elevated on two pillows But it's getting better every day. And I definitely feel like I've crossed over a hump. Do you have any final like thoughts on
1: Kilimanjaro 2022?
0: (laughs) I don't know. Do you? I mean, is it weird for you to look at me and have my face be different?
1: Oh, yeah. And actually, it's one of those things where it's been kind of a joy to be so close to it that like it all the changes are actually working in real time. And I haven't ever dealt with this like like, monster shock. Yeah. Even, even out of surgery, so much was like even covered. Right. So it's like, I got like these like baby step looks at like what the shape might be and all this other kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, I honestly, I think it looks, it looks great now. And I kind of was also like, Oh, look, you look great without a cast. And then, (laughs) But is
0: it like, I think a lot of people were curious if you would feel like, I don't know, like you were robbed of the woman that you married or like you still knew me or anything like that. You know what I mean? Do you have any of those moments or did you have those concerns or fears before surgery?
1: I did not. And honestly, like I I think like a lot of people within kind of your, your greater social was were like, I think your nose looks cute now, but it did also look broken right like it 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 looked kind of like a like a cute like lady owen wilson type of situation <laughs> not <laughs> no, no, no no that's wait. a lot <laughs> I, I'm joking, I'm joking. but like it it clearly had like, like you could some see scar the tissue parts, yeah. there you could see where it's deviated but it was also it was it was part of of your character and who you are and you know that is an okay thing to to change and and to come to terms with a change i think looking at you now you look closer to the photos. I think I've seen of you as a, as a kid, or or as like a like a teenager and like like pre pre the board.
0: But I also I would say that through this whole process, something that like has been very much solidified for me is you're not like obviously you want to be attracted to your partner, and I think when you meet your partner, so much of what you're attracted to is how they look, but. I've been reminded so many times throughout this process how much what we've built is just so far beyond anything aesthetic and yeah, is- I felt very supported in my journey of, of like you want me to be my best self and my best self includes breathing and I kind of even think if it my best if I'd felt like my best self aesthetically was different you would have supported that. I think you just like want me to feel my best every day rather than me to look a certain way for your viewing pleasure
1: <laughs> for my viewing pleasure <laughs> uh, the 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 nose is a footnote in like a very like big complicated whole relationship yeah like, we could talk all night about exactly how it looks but it's also like it could be numerous degrees of different from how it is now and how it was before and everything else and you'd still be you and I'd still recognize you as you and I'd still have all of the thoughts and feelings and love I have for you then.
0: And I would say that's kind of my feeling on plastic surgery in general, especially from an aesthetic perspective, is that if friends or family members are like, you can't change this, how will you still feel like you? My main response would be, that's not who I am. Like my looks aren't who I am. And particularly like a certain feature isn't who I am. But at the same time, that goes both ways. Because if you're changing your looks or a certain feature and expecting it to change who you are, I think you're going to be disappointed. So I think for better, for worse, for every reason, it is looks and that's what it is. And it's a small facet of who we are overall as people. So that was my rhinoplasty journey. If you're interested in photos, befores, afters, in the moments,
1: I got a lot of in the moments. We
0: have some fun in the moments. I
1: gotta say, so, oh I, god, I have a, I have like, <laughs> what
0: do you gotta say?
1: Oh, I have Google <laughs> Photos on my phone, oh, and god. they make these collages. Oh yeah, and it, the number of times they're always it was like, like,
0: do you want a fun collage? Yeah, <laughs> I
1: made you a recent memories, <laughs> and it's like. Like, all of the photos I'm taking of Liz, like, in, like, cute little, like, collage like bandaged frames. Bandaged and
0: yeah, bloody. Like, wow.
1: uh, <laughs> Thanks, blessed.
0: Google. Have a mosaic. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, if you would like to see photos, I will be sharing those on Instagram. So head over to Atlas Moody to check those out. And I hope this was helpful. If you have any more questions, obviously hit me up on Instagram. I'm happy to answer any. Um, I try to get to as many DMs as I can, although, obviously... It would be impossible to get to all of them. And I will be back next week with a Healthy Cooking Secrets Holiday Edition, which I'm very, very excited about. So,
1: Is the secret vanilla extract?
0: There's so many more secrets. There's there's many secrets. Secrets to hostessing, to fun dishes, all of that kind of stuff. So I will see you guys all next week. Love you guys. I hope you have a great day. When Zach and I started Healthy Convoco, we needed to find the easiest way to get conversation cards from our warehouse onto our website and into your hands. I thought it was going to be the hardest part of starting a business, but it wound up being one of the easiest because we just used Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling gorgeous ceramics to sip morning tea from or beautiful journals to write prompts from the we're all in this together deck in, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. It helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. I know as a consumer, I'm way more likely to buy when a website has Shopify. It has all of my information saved, so checkout becomes a one-click situation, even on small business sites, which makes me so happy because I love shopping small. But it's not just small. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Liz M, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Liz M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com slash Liz M.